no, 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 he's the expert, it's not me. Warm-up question. Jason's weapon. Uh, it's a machete. There, you see, you do know the genre. Michael Myers. Uh, butcher knife. Leatherface. Chainsaw, please! Just ask Sydney if you need some help. Freddy Krueger! Uh, uh, raise your hands! Name the movie that started the slasher craze. Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, or Psycho? Psycho! None of the above! Peeping Tom, 1960, directed by Michael Powell. First movie to ever put the audience in the killer's POV. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. Please, just ask me one more question, just one more. Then it's time for your last chance question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain... Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh, Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine, When a Stranger Calls Prom Night, Black Christmas, House of Wax, The Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those, right? Right? podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week And especially this year, we are discussing what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And typically with me is fellow scary movie fan, Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but he seemed really bent out of shape. Uh, To be quite honest, I don't know if it's a bad day at work or what, but he yelled at me. He said, I don't need friends. I need fans, which is like a super rude thing to say to your friend of 20 years and totally recontextualizes a lot of things that maybe I'll need him to address when he returns. However, in the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into our big series for the year. What scares us slash what saves us a series defined by you. We're actually nearing the end of this first phase of the series. Uh, But if you've been hiding behind a ghost face killer mask somewhere, you may not know that listeners just like you have been submitting their stories of films and media that instilled or stoked a certain fearful imagining. And we have been covering them here on the show. Now, Reed may be lollygagging off somewhere reciting the best horror sequels, but we do have someone very special on today whose voice you have already heard previously as part of the What You Watch and Sing Along submissions, which is a bit of a mouthful. That's right. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, here to discuss his submission for What Scares Us is the one and only Jackson Harper. Jackson, welcome to the show, man. Howdy, y'all. 
Yes, it is. I'm a excited pleasure to, to have be you here. here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Well, I'm excited to have you. I, maybe Reed will be, but be frank, he had a bit of a bee in his bonnet when he was here. So we'll see. Yeah, you um, can't ever tell with that guy. I, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> you do too. But we are getting ahead of ourselves here a bit. I, I'm just excited you're here, Jackson. I do need to remind listeners of a thing you know well, and that is that here at the Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to the Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube and you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com where you will find... Reed! Ah. Hey. Hey, Hello. Buddy. How are you? What, I'm, what, are, that, what are you doing right now? Is that Reed with a frog in his throat? Um, That's, I do have a frog Reed? in my... I do have That's, a frog in my throat. Okay. He brought um, a friend. <clears throat> Okay, so what can I do for you, sir? uh, Unplanned comedic bit. Yes, uh, maybe maybe not so much comedic as as bit. Fair. Yes. What 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 are? Could you could could you go? (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know the that's how you know the bit didn't work. Is you just like okay, (laughs) abandon ship. I'm just going to turn on video. Just like abandoned bit. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Abandoned bit. Jackson's Uh, here. Hey, Jackson, how's it going, man? It's good to see you. Howdy. It's good to see you. <laughs> I've, so uh, I've heard you here. so much. I've never seen y'all talk before. Yeah. Oh, it's well, a it's a, a bit of a letdown, <laughs> to be honest. Like when you're, you know, when I you act- don't think so, but I'm just I'll, glad I'll, you're wearing. I'm just glad you're wearing the fedora. I would have been. Oh, very oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a and, I'm, and I've got the green makeup on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I should look if there's some sort of zoom filter like Frankenstein yourself. Um, <laughs> oh, go Frankenstein yourself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the things you think but can't say. <laughs> oh. You perhaps. Yes. yes. Oh, boy. Um, all right. So Reed Jackson's here. We're going to have a good time. Is there any? I'm excited. Speaking of time, is there any business time we need to discuss? Um, we covered a lot of new hmm. stuff last week last week there was like a bevy of, of a bevy of a smorgasbord yeah. uh, a cornucopia it was uh yeah so a plethora of pinatas i you don't will. think i don't think there's anything significantly new to talk about this week no okay not, not there's some good blogs up on the old blog if, if you haven't been so yeah just to generally re-emphasize We've recently sort of uh, gotten a bit more savvy and um, consistent with posting some new things throughout the week. So it's not just about the Tuesday episode release. There's some fun stuff popping up there now pretty consistently on on Wednesdays and Friday, Saturday. Um, So, yeah, by all means, just... If you get that urge to be like, hmm, I wonder what the Fear of God boys are doing, then pop on yeah. over to the website. There's probably something just, new and fun. So. I was glad to see Lackey the Listicle make a reappearance. It, 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 won't be the fir- it won't be the last. It won't be the last time for Lackey the Listicle, well, I can guarantee was you. The first. I love Lackey the Listicle, occasionally <laughs> listless, list-making Lackey. I love it. Thank that you. is one of my favorite. That voice just kills me every time you do it <laughs> oh. hi everybody I, yes oh. 
you can't invoke. You can't. It's, he's gonna get conjured. You know, like prompt yeah. immediately. Jackson's only gonna minimally participate in the conversation. He's just gonna listen to us be idiots. I'm just gonna listen to you. You're gonna be like, um, do you remember uh, Saturday Night Live, circa early '90s, and oh my gosh, was it Phil Hartman who would be Ed McMahon on the Johnny Carson? Oh, man. Now, yeah, because it and, was Dana Carvey was Johnny yes, Carson, right? Yes. Yeah. And all he would do as Ed McMahon would just occasionally punctuate the moment with, oh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's what you're going to do, Jackson. You're going to be the Ed McMahon. Just laugh at the jokes, you know? Well, I mean, I do. First of all, I've got a bone to pick real quick because. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I was really hoping y'all would win that election. Mm. Last oh year. man mm. see i mean yeah because oh. you if you remember i was i had a cabinet position all lined up yeah i was i was going to be the secretary of knives oh mm. that's right which is very appropriate for uh for our film discussion today. that's that's Indeed. absolutely right that's <laughs> absolutely right you know sometimes things just don't play out the way you expect them to but you I've, know what uh, well you know we, you know what i, I can only blame y'all <laughs> That's wow. usually the way we feel too. Yeah. Like you get no, we can only yeah. blame no, ourselves. No, no. That's the way Reed feels. <laughs> no self-flagellation Nathan, here. Nathan, Nathan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reed always blames himself, and I do too. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's that's uh, effectively business. So now, um, before we get much farther into things, Jackson, you, this is your first time on the show. Though you have been mm-hmm. uh, a, a lurker and occasional. Uh, sort of uh, participant in the the groups and whatnot for some time now, but uh, a, a thing or a pair of things we like to ask every first time guest, which now you enter that hallowed hall, um, is twofold. You know, we are uh, uh, a show about scary material, uh, and mm-hmm. and and attack that from a literal standpoint, from an existential standpoint, uh, what scares us to find what saves us. So I'm curious from you, not don't include the film we're talking about today. So twofold. One, what would you say was kind of your gateway drug to the horror genre writ large? Like, is there a favorite film? Is there one that had a real indelible imprint on you that you would say, hey, this one is what kind of started me on this path? And maybe in tandem, maybe intertwined, maybe completely separate from that, I am curious, and I think Reed might be too, of of the question, what scares you? And the answer not being a film, what how would you answer that? It can be hmm. existential, it can be literal, however you want to sort of address that. So I, I give the floor to you, our guest. Okay. What got me into horror movies? Um, well, I grew up, you know, y'all can relate to this. I grew up very conservative, Mm. religious, Bible belty, you know. Um, So horror movies were kind of this forbidden fruit, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And honestly, one of the first horror movies I ever remember watching was the original Scream. Huh. Mm. Because it came out when I was, I must have been... I guess I was 13 when it came out. Yeah, because it mm-hmm. came out in 96. So I was 13 when it came out. So I didn't see it when it first came out. But mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I went to a buddy's house one night and um, his dad had just gotten this new big TV. And he's like, we're going to we got DVDs, man. <laughs> we, got, we got the stream trilogy on. Yeah, we got the stream trilogy on DVD. 
So we went and we watched the entire Scream trilogy in one night. And honestly, I had never seen any of the movies that Scream was referencing. Huh. Mm, okay. I, I saw Scream before I saw any of the, like Freddy or Jason or Halloween sure. or whatever. And I just loved it. I just loved it so much. And then probably right around that same time, uh, a buddy of mine came over to my house one night and we watched all three Evil Dead movies. Oh, wow. Right in a row. Mm. So wow. it's kind of the Scream trilogy and the Evil Dead trilogy were kind of my getting into the genre because it didn't happen until I was in high school. And then I got, got into college and I just started watching everything. Mm. I mean, not not all just horror movies. I just started watching, you know, as soon as I got my freedom to watch any movie I wanted to. Right. I was just I watching any movie I wanted to. Sure. But horror came up, you know, alongside that. And then a few years after that, I was working in this place. Uh, it was like a used comic and record and movie and video game store. Yeah. Oh, wow. And there was a, there was a guy that worked there that was just like, like one of those kind of horror fans, you know, the kind that had like Jason and Freddy tattooed on his legs. And so he just started like showing me all these other like crazy weird ones, like the burning, uh, oh man, the one about the, one? the Cropsey oh, legend. Told yeah. you. What do you mean challenging? <laughs> I think it was and then there was what? There was like the Fun House, and so I started watching like some of the more obscure. Oh yeah, ones. the Fun House yeah. is Toby the Hooper. Fun I've got that. I got so a nice Blu-ray of that. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's a great '80s classic. Yeah, I I love it. I absolutely love it. So, we should play a game on here with our guests of like stump read. It's not actually as difficult as you might might suspect, but I, I can stump read. I can, oh, I can stump. I, I bet he will. See, I threw it down, and now Jackson's yeah, gonna be like, I brought receipts. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a movie called Make Out with Violence? Make Out with Violence? No, I've never even heard of this. See, no, yeah. of course you've never it. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> like your time okay. first, my no, freshman year of college. <laughs> This was actually a film that was made locally here in Nashville. Like these guys, they spent years making this movie, like just financing it a little bit at a time. It's a zombie movie where there's one zombie. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So clearly they don't attack the head. And it's a girl that like they had a crush on that disappeared. And then they find her. They find her like in the woods chained to a tree and she's a zombie. Oh my! It's gosh. a weird. It's a weird little movie. It's kind of more of a coming of age dramedy than it is a horror movie, but it's definitely huh. got that that zombie that's, element to it. That's and wild. it's rad. It's super rad, but you can't find it anywhere. Like it had a limited, like one of those little mm. boutique DVD companies released a yeah. DVD, and I used to have the DVD of it. I don't have it anymore. Oh my gosh! And I was gonna, I was trying to find a Blu-ray of it, and I never could. Just can't. That was find a it. that was a really anticlimactic game. Reads like <laughs> yeah. We should have someone on to try to stump me. And Jackson's well, like, stumped. I, no, absolutely. Like, <laughs> no, so. it's like no one's seen this movie except for sure. me and yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. friends. Well, of course. Yeah. No, of course. No, that's uh, that, that, uh, it sounds cool, though. But that's the thing is like horror has all of these nice niche little pockets where because if you're going to be like um, uh, sort of a get your toes wet kind of aspiring filmmaker, what typically you do is you either try to make a comedy or a horror because genre yeah. is what sort of, and and most of the time they shy away from sci-fi and fantasy because it's uh, effects heavy. And horror, depending mm-hmm. on how you do it, doesn't have to be. Or you can do no. some some effective things very uh, cheaply. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, it's really cool. There's all kinds of little independent nooks out there where there's lots of little... Yeah 
creepy things that are surprisingly effective whenever you stumble across them. So it doesn't surprise me at all. No, that's cool. So Jackson, you've answered question one. All right. Question number two, what scares me? Um, okay. Uh, I think the stuff that scares me is that stuff. That's a little bit more intangible. Like, sure. mm. uh, like I get, I get afraid of the idea of, uh, getting in a car accident and being paralyzed mm. Mm. Yeah. or like getting some sort of debilitating illness where like people have to come and take care of me and stuff like that. Right, hmm. right. I don't really get scared of like that external kind of stuff. I get scared of that kind of stuff. It's like, what if I'm stuck in my own body? Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Last week's, and last I have week's no film is, uh, is up your alley. Uh, there you go. We covered Buried last Which week. One? Buried. Oh, I've still not Reynolds. seen Buried. Okay. I've still uh, not seen that. Stephen Tobolowski, though. Yeah, he's the he's voice on the one phone. of the voice yeah, on the phone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's I one love. Of my favorites. I need. I need listeners who don't usually frequent our YouTube to go watch some of this YouTube. Read. You were off when I told Jackson this, but this this piece of art behind him makes him look like he's got <laughs> flaming hair, and it's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I see it now. It's great. I love it. I love it. It's great, and All a right, real and a real popping collar too. It's yeah. like the flaming oh, yeah, hair, and you yeah. got the real. That's legit. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um. So, so Jackson, thank you so much for your willingness to share there, for your willingness to be on the show. It is, however, time for that part of the show where we discuss things that are not really of a horror variety. And <laughs> uh, Jackson, I, you're our guest here. Dare I put you on the spot? Oh, and, oh, I and, got it. Yeah, you got it. I got it. Oh, I what? definitely got it. Hello. Oh, oh. let's do it. Let's Except it. I need a little, a little, I need a little bit of help from my friend over here. Okay. Mr. Tom Waits. Oh boy. <laughs> I brought Tom Waits along with me tonight. This, He's it's just a, just for a this of purpose. Guests. I so love here, it. So uh, I'm going to let him do it actually. Okay. So. What are you watching? <laughs> what are you reading? What are you listening to? I love it. Oh, my God, Tom. I'm a big fan. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. Don't run away. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had to go, like, play with an old rusty jack-in-the-box. That so. sounds like Tom Waits. Yeah. That yeah. absolutely never, sounds like Tom That guy, he's always... Or <laughs> swallow an old rusty jack-in-the-box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was fantastic. That was great. Oh, that's awesome. So, yes, it is time for What You're Watching. Uh, Jackson, you're our guest. We are going to let you offer a thing first that you have either been watching, reading, or listening to. All right. Do you want to hear the the watching or the reading one? Oh, I mean, guest choice. I've got uh, two. Taster's choice. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about a show that's on Netflix that was previously on the Sci-Fi channel okay. called The Magicians. All right. Oh, have you yeah, ever, yeah. Have you ever seen this? I've no. never okay, seen so it, but I've heard about it and I've been curious. So I'm curious to hear your uh, thoughts. It's based on a trilogy of books uh, by Lev Grossman. I've read mm-hmm. the first of the books, but as always happens with me, I got distracted and never finished the series. <laughs> <laughs> but then finally, I started watching the, the series on Netflix because my, my best friend, the one that is the, the, uh, the read to, to my Nathan. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I've All told right. you about him before, but um, he he watched it multiple times. He's like, you got to watch the show. You got to watch it. So finally I watched it and it's fantastic. It's, really? uh, it's basically 
the premise is if you took Harry Potter and Narnia and mashed it all together, but made it like for grownups. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> By yeah. which I mean, there's a lot of like, it's very adult content. It's an R rated sure. kind of show. Gotcha. Um, but it's so funny and it's dark and the storytelling is really interesting. And they do, they do things with the narrative that you, you don't see in other shows. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of the way I describe it to people without giving anything about the show away. It's kind of the, the most natural successor in this day and age to Buffy, the vampire slayer. Oh, okay. okay. I get that. That's what sure. I would compare it to. Cause it's got that sort of tone. It's like anything can happen in this crazy fantasy world. There's all these creatures and other, uh, mystical things going on. And, um, but it's also just so funny. Mm. And now, there are like it- episodes where it will turn into a musical. All right. And mm. that sort of, th- yeah, it's, it's you, so you said it started on sci-fi and has ported over to Netflix. How many seasons? Well, like, what's no, the- it ran its entire run on sci-fi. It's oh, 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 I got you. I got you. So it's yeah, it was originally on sci-fi, sci-fi but it's, and Netflix yeah. is carrying it. Okay. That yes. makes sense now. Well, very how many cool. seasons no, did I'm you say sure. it was six seasons? It's five seasons. Each five seasons. are okay. 13 episodes long. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Gotcha. I am totally unaware of that one. So yeah, you- it's terrific. I think y'all would both really enjoy it. Well, cool. Awesome. Reed, to check what, it out. You, what you got? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll <laughs> go and then we'll pivot back to uh, Jackson's reading. Um, so I want to talk about a, also a Netflix uh, comedy special, actually. I literally, so I had, you know, something kind of in mind that I might talk about this week. And I watched this comedy special yesterday and uh, utterly knew that I had to talk about it. So um, for people who may uh, have heard the name Bo Burnham before, mm. most prominent thing that he was recently in was he played, if you saw the film Promising Young Woman, he played the uh, almost boyfriend of the main character, uh, the person she was romantically involved with. Um but uh, he's a comedian. Uh, he's been he's a young guy. He only just turned 30, but he's been on the comedy scene for probably close to 15 years. Um, got started really young. And his particular brand of comedy is uh, he, he writes silly songs, not not silly as like, you know, buffoonish, but just sort of comedic songs uh, that usually have a pop synth quality. And then his shows play out as kind of like a concert interspersed with little comedic bits, uh, sometimes self-referential sketches and things like that. And he usually that's the kind of show he basically builds it like a one man variety show. Um, His humor can get really dark in a dry wit kind of way, but dealing with some pretty heavy subjects. This special that I'm talking about is his newest one, and it's called Inside. It was created entirely during the pandemic. Uh, So through most of last year, he made this special and it all takes place in this one room uh, near his house. Just basically it says it's in his home. I think it's a room that's like like a studio off from from the main place where he lives. But um, this thing arrested my imagination and just would not let it go. It's the kind of thing that I find difficult to talk about because I I desperately want to say like two things. The first is I really find this fascinating and I think. I, I want people to see it so that I can get their take on it. I right on the heels of that comment want to say, this is not going to be for everybody. <laughs> like it's not, it, you, there's a, a certain calibration that you have to do uh, to get on the wavelength of what he's doing. Um, it is a show all about, I shouldn't say all about, but it like, it deals with lots of current topical frameworks, um, 
satirizing our current culture, but it also particularly in its last 30, 40 minutes deals with um, like some some kind of heavy mental illness kind of stuff. Um, there are some elements dealing with like suicide and, and on the, on the back end of the special, it has the, the usual thing that you see with something that deals with that, where it says, if you are someone you're struggling with, and here's the, the help information you can, uh, you can have, but it, it, um, it was a really fascinating piece and it's, it's quite funny. It's also quite dark in places. Uh, his opening bit uh, I'll just share this to give a kind of a flavor of it. And then uh, it's Bo Burnham inside is the piece. You can look up the trailer and kind of see. Is it on Netflix um, or what? It is on Netflix. It's a, okay. it's a Netflix exclusive, I believe. I can think you can only find like one yeah, or two all clips. His, on I YouTube. think all his stuff is these I days. believe that's right. Yeah. The yeah only he has thing a deal you can with find, them. That, that, that's right. I think the only thing that you can find out, outside of that is just like old comedy stand-up bits that somebody videoed like from the audience. But um one of the first songs in it, he starts off basically singing about like, oh, man, the world's so messed up and I really wish I could do something about it, but I don't know what to do. And then when he's singing this like, oh, man, I just don't know what to do. Then suddenly this big angelic light bursts in and these uh, angelic choir of voices, which are, again, all him, just basically are like healing the world through comedy. Like, and so that's, that's basically what they're prompting him to do. And it's really funny. The one line to give you a uh, flavor of his satire the one line in there is it's like the world needs direction and he says from a white guy like me and, it, and the voice <laughs> says bingo you know like and, oh and so it, it's like self-satire but then it's really great towards the tail end of that very ridiculously catchy song which i'm not doing justice to on this in this platform <laughs> but to that very ridiculously catchy song towards the end it said so if you wake up and your house is full of smoke don't panic call me i'll tell you a joke if there's a bunch of white guys and a bunch of white cloaks don't panic call me i'll tell you a joke you know like it's that kind of, <laughs> you know like and uh it's it's just Again, the humor can get a bit dark, but I think it might just be a work of genius. And if you're down for something that's a bit offbeat and kind of experimental, uh, then I would strongly encourage you at least giving a chance to Bo Burnham inside because I found it very arresting and I loved it uh, quite a bit. So that's my recommendation. Very cool. Awesome. Jackson, you want to? I haven't seen up? that one, but that's I. Bo Burnham is a genius. Yeah, if you think a he's a genius, you need to prioritize. I need. I, I need to watch his, it. I haven't it's watched his best it, work. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I've only ever work. seen him wow. in Promising Young Woman, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, you know, he directed that movie Eighth Grade a few years yes. ago. That was oh, also I really, did not really know good. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. it's a really good movie. Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it was. Um, so yeah, Jackson, uh, before we pivot to Nathan, what was your, you said you had a, um, a reading as well. Okay. So have you ever, uh, there's a Netflix, uh, mini series on now called behind her eyes. Have you heard of that? That one's not mm. one I'm familiar with. No, no, no. It's, it, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a Netflix like special mini series kind of thing. But so, uh, before the series came out, there's this woman I know out in Kansas city and she sometimes recommends books to me. And uh, she recommended this book behind her eyes. And the last book she recommended before that, I loved. It was terrific. It was called Dark Matter. I can't remember the author. But um, so I was like, okay, I'll read behind her eyes. So I started reading it. And I did not particularly care for it. It was very slow. And, and uh, so I messaged her. I was like, this is not very interesting. She's like, yeah, it starts really slow. Just give it some time. So I read it. And then I just couldn't take it anymore. So I put it down. And I didn't pick it up again for a couple of weeks. And I felt really guilty because I was trying to 
Honestly, I'm trying to impress this woman a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll so breed all I, sorts of commitment. Got to finish this. So book. yeah. Anyway, so I messaged her and I was like, okay, I'm gonna finish reading this book. So I started it again, and it, again, it was so slow and it's so boring. And I put it down again, and I didn't pick it up again. It took me like two months to read this book, and it's not a very long book. It's like 300 pages. Mm. Finally, I get to the end of it, and the ending—I gotta say—the ending was gnarly. I'm not gonna oh. say anything about what the book's about. Is it a novel? It's a novel. Okay. And uh, ostensibly, it's about a woman who is having an affair with her boss, but she also befriends her boss's wife. Oh, okay. Hmm. So right. that's the basic bare bones premise. But then the ending goes someplace insane. Wow. So I, All right. So I messaged her and I was like, okay, that was a really gnarly ending. Uh, but overall, I just did not care for that book. It's like, why did you love it so much? And she's like, I hated it, actually. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, huh? huh? Wow. She got punked here. <laughs> I'm going to make him read the In worst piece reading. of trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, well, why did you have me read it? And she gave me a pretty good explanation. She said one thing that was really interesting. She's like, we always talk about stuff we like, but we don't ever talk about stuff we don't like. We don't ever recommend it to people. Not, That's, you know, and then she didn't tell me she didn't like it. She just like, got me to read it. Like That's the end of funny. the book, I did not see that ending coming. I, I didn't. I either. know. That right? was... I like. I. I felt like I got taken on a ride by the Joker. <laughs> 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 and honestly, it made me admire this woman so much more. <laughs> <laughs> and then she recommended something else. I yeah. was like, No, yeah. no, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not falling no, for it you. again. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I just so listeners, that was a funny story. Behind her eyes. Yeah, behind her eyes. It does have kind of a, a creepy kind of almost it doesn't it's not really horror. I'd call it more of like a psychological thriller. Mm. By we'll the use end, that for but, the next Spear God book club. Yeah. Oh yeah, go for it. <laughs> You'll lose all your listeners. Listenership just tanks. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like I am not. I'm yeah. not tuning in for this crap <laughs> one more time. <laughs> all right. So Okay, what do you got? My whatcha is I recently went to the theater and I watched Yay. A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm. Careful and now. I have not seen it. I, have I haven't either. It. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. <laughs> okay. Um, I will risk even for myself on a subsequent viewing overhyping it. But and and in full defense there's an easy like if someone were to say well that's not as good as one i i don't know that i would be like you're wrong like i'm not going to go to the mat on that one but it is so well constructed it is hmm. so thrilling i mean that uh, jackson i know i don't know if you saw the first one or if you saw the first one in the theater i, I liked it a lot yeah yeah well the same kind of energy I had watching the first one in the theater and not knowing what I was going to get. So you go in like, okay, I'm, I'm my, mm -hmm. my expectations are a little high, maybe unfairly. So let's see what, what we get here. And I loved it. I mean, it, awesome. it delivers okay. the, the thrills it no, I mean, I, I actually, I'm about to make a lot of listeners be like, what? I never watched the American office. Uh, but I do <laughs> like John Krasinski, but uh -huh. more, it was just, I just like him because he seems like a likable dude. 
I'm telling you, he is crafting one hell of a directorial career here. I mean, his, all those things you kind of loved about, you know, the, the, the Jurassic Park Spielberg era, he, he has, he has mastered some of that skill. And I mean, some of the set pieces in the new film, I mean, still just kind of edge of your seat. My, I, we, our, our family went, we did the whole rent a theater thing. So it was kind of just our crew of about a dozen. And I mean, my mom was sitting next to me. She was screaming like, okay, lady, oh, wow. come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but there were legitimate jumps. There's legitimate dread. You love these people. You love this family. Uh, you know, anyway, I, it was fantastic. I, I yeah. loved it. Um, yeah, really. I, I was very skeptical about it, but it's good to hear that it's solid. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's very exciting. And, and this spoils nothing, but it's just been announced that Jeff Nichols is directing a third. And it, I, my that's expectations amazing. could not Jeff have Jeff Nichols? Yes. Is going to do a yes. place three? Yes. I, that's bizarre. I'm, no, I'm so excited, though, because like he hasn't really engaged directly. <clears throat> I mean, Midnight Special had some, you know, kind of suspense type elements to it, but he hasn't really engaged horror directly since Take Shelter. And I thought Take Shelter had such a an amazing sensibility of just like really bringing you into that sense of of anxiety riddled self-reflection. And I just I, I think, well, we did a whole episode about it. I think Take Shelter is a brilliant piece of work. Um, what's interesting that you say that about uh, Krasinski, and I, I, I did watch all of the American Office, and I love Krasinski, um, but he stumbled into it. Like, what I love about this is the man does not like horror films, and he has stumbled into this. He directed two things before A Quiet Place, both right. of which are middling efforts at best. Sure, yeah. And, and then stumbles into A Quiet Place almost on accident, and he has found his rhythm. I'm, I have not seen Quiet Place Part 2, but you are not the only person who has utterly raved about it. And so I'm, I'm very eager uh, to finally get the chance to see it whenever that comes around. And uh, yeah. So I would imagine, it, like, I do want to prep any listener and even my co-hosts right now, like, I can envision if you were to see it for the first time on at home, a person might think, okay, well, that was, that was good. I liked it. It was good. There was something about the energy, the crackle in the room of being in that theater space and just, just signing up and, and stepping in and, and, and going back to, to that kind of world that it, it, I don't know, it just really delivered in that way. So I, I could awesome. see where I can easily be overhyping uh, ultimately, but it, it really did. It's, it did exactly what I kind of wanted out of it. So that's awesome. 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 Um, well, well, Jackson, I don't want to put you back on the spot, uh, or, or rather, <laughs> I don't want your buddy Tom Waits to have to come back. I know he's off doing his 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 career <laughs> thing. So we will let scary. we will let your previous recording take us out. What you watching? What you reading? What you watching? What you reading? What you listening to? Tell me about all your recent media intake. What you watching, what you reading, what you listening to. All right. Here we are, ready for the screaming or the stabbing or the whatever you want going screaming on here. And stabbing, all of that. Um Jackson, with folks we've been inviting on during what scares us, this mm-hmm. is kind of the part of the show where we would kind of pivot to you uh, to, to, to share a little bit 
about the piece we're talking about and kind of what what made you offer this one? Don't feel like you have to read some something verbatim if you don't want to, but just kind of mm-hmm. when 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 her when hearing the fear of God pitching, hey, submit to us what scares you. This one for you came to mind and you submitted it. Kind of tell us a little bit about what prompted that. Well, I actually I prom- I submitted this to y'all. Okay, to let the listeners in on a secret. I've been pestering these guys for years. <laughs> <laughs> so I started listening to the show years ago and somehow wound up being friends with them online. <laughs> and so I started pestering them about this movie like over a year ago. We were still yeah, like right. in like deep, deep lockdown mm-hmm. when I started talking to y'all. And I don't know what it was. I think one, I just wanted to be on the show and talk to y'all about <laughs> any movie. And Reed was like, well, what's like a horror subgenre that you love? And I love, I love slasher movies, you know? Uh, I'm not sure why, but for some reason, this one was the first one that popped in my mind because I think, well, for one thing, it kind of gives you a way to talk about the Scream franchise as a whole. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the, the Scream franchise is apparently not done, as we've learned. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a good this is a good movie to use to talk about the Scream franchise as a whole, because I think everything that the Scream franchise is doing is encapsulated really well in this film. Mm. Cause it's about the Scream movies are about movie making and storytelling mm. and how we use those things to achieve our own ends or to help ourselves or to hurt others even i don't know like i feel like i'm already getting a little bit uh heady with it no you have got time i'm not i'm not (laughs) real good at at talking about this stuff like um off the cuff yes that's not (laughs) the word i was going to use the word i was going to use it completely escaped me but anyway (laughs) that's all um, right no, well, it's a, I, it's a good, it's a good offering. And, and, and I, I know for me, I hadn't even seen this one. So I, I, yeah. I appreciated the opportunity to get into it. Well, what did you think of it? I liked it. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that, and, and for anyone who hasn't seen this one yet, uh, the, the, the rough summary is, is Sydney Prescott and Ev Campbell's character is resolving a book tour about her uh, experience as the central figure in these, is it West? What's the name of it? West Westboro. Westboro. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. That came to like mind. The, I thought, surely that's like not the it. Church. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Like I the thought church. that's what I was conjuring. And I was like, I think okay. it's no. It, no, but I think it's Woodsboro. I think this one. Woodsboro. Is yeah. Okay. Woodsboro. Yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah. we were sort us. of right. We should, in we both should accounts. cut that out. That's embarrassing. Nah, that's right. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, so, so, so she's resolving her book tour about her experience at the center uh, of these Woodsboro sort of events of the first mm-hmm. and subsequent films. And, you know, of, of course, uh, this new crop of young people is is added again. Those rascally teenagers in Woodsboro uh, and and new murders set up uh, uh, or kick off inspired by uh, the original sort of storytelling. And you know, extemporaneously, that's the word I was looking. You know, it's for. funny. Oh, okay. I thought I just, that might be the word you were looking it. for, I but I get in trouble. <laughs> I get in trouble for finishing people's Sorry. sentences and correcting folks. Um, I just had to. I just had to get that in there. <laughs> I thought of the word. Okay. Go back right. to what well, you were saying. <laughs> let me let me ask y'all a question to sort of pivot into this. And this we'll we'll, we'll maybe do go from this to that ain't right, Reed, unless you've got something else after this. But nope, that's good. 
something that kind of came to me today. So, so I didn't get back around to rewatching any of the first three, but I did go listen to the fear of God episode. What? 90 something. 70. Wow. It's it's yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah, we were sure. I'm Uh, mentally. I can still see us. We were sitting right there at Halloween horror night. Yeah. We're so young that episode. Yeah. I went and listened Um, to it too. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think it's in the (laughs) seventies. If you go look in the seventies, Steve Beckley can, can help us out uh, uh, on Facebook after this one airs. Uh, It's, during a run of I love the nineties. And so this one was featured on there. So I did go listen to that partly to refresh myself with how we had uh, addressed part one and also to refresh myself a little bit on the, the events of the film. And so, you know, I, I want to throw to you guys who, who I know reads an ardent scream fan. Uh, sounds like you are as well, Jackson. My question is, is what do y'all think of the new cast in this film? And I'll kind of address it for myself before kind of opening it to whoever one, I was actually really impressed with Hayden Panettiere. Um, oh, I thought she's she was, the MVP of the movie. Yeah. For me. I, I, yeah. I, I watched she heroes back in the day, at least season one and, and don't remember much about my aware fondness or not for her talent or whatever. Uh, so seeing her in this, I was like, oh, okay, you know, this 11 years ago, this makes sense. Young, you know, pretty actor. Here we are, but she's she's really strong in it and really delivers and and has a great look mm-hmm. and is really charismatic and compelling. Um, but what really stood out for me, and this this represented itself listening to our scream initial scream conversation, is how strong that first film's cast is. Specifically, oh, yeah. I'm thinking Jamie Kennedy and Matthew Lillard, and like I don't care much for skeet ulrich whatever like i, I can yeah. take him or leave him that's that's no big deal but lillard and jamie kennedy in that first film are so fun to watch and and, and so 90s both well, of them sure sure but but <laughs> even just 90s guys yeah but I even just it. the, the nature of their performance capabilities i, I yeah. think i think what i'm trying to say is watching this one i felt very uninspired by the younger cast um hmm. but but maybe 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 i'm being overly harsh and would love to hear some some kind of feedback or, or thoughts on that well i think I, my my initial response is and i don't know if this is a an excuse because i i would agree with you but i think part of what's going on is that the younger cast in this is specifically acting as kind of surrogates to the main sure. cast so you you know you have your new version of sydney you've got your new version of Ran- uh, randy you've got uh you know all of these characters who are kind of playing uh they're not quite archetypes but they're sort of uh, you know smaller younger fresher models of the versions that we got in the original series and so as such they feel a bit retread, whereas Matthew Lillard's character and Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy, they um, felt very fresh and new in the initial installment. I had this would probably be controversial if I ever just like threw the list out there, but like it, a listicle ranked. um, I was asked for a little project that I'm working on to rank my 25 favorite horror movie characters of all time. And in the top 25, I put Randy Meeks from the first mm. scream because mm. I feel like he, well, come on, where did he place Reed? He was 13th. He was 13th. Um, okay. <laughs> but, um, 
But the reason that I put him there and the reason that he was so high is because I feel like that whole new wave of like metatextual stuff that has been coming out through the 2000s, I feel like Randy Meeks was maybe not the first character to embody that, but definitely that's the benchmark for what we think of when we think about a character who's in the story, but also knows all of the rules of the story and knows where they are and how they function within it. Uh, Jamie Kennedy does a fantastic job. I still feel like I, I love the scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in the in in that movie. I love the scene when he bites it in Scream Two, but I still feel kind of the pain. I feel his absence in the you know he he has this brief little cameo from a video recording in Scream Three, and then of course is totally absent from this one. And I think his absence is felt. So I, all of that to say, I agree with your kind of general take on the younger cast. What do you think, Jackson? About the, the I actually okay. I think that. I think that, yes, Nathan, you're right. Like the, the cast doesn't have, aside from Hayden Panettiere, who is, has so much just pure charisma, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what she's doing a lot of the time. She's just using her natural charisma. And then you get the scene where she's like listing off all the horror yeah, remakes. That was great. And it's just an incredibly emotional scene where remakes. she's just saying the name of movies. It's crazy. Mm. Um, but apart from her, yeah, you don't really have anybody like a Matthew Lillard. Um, yeah. That's just that like ball of energy that can't be contained. Right. Um, I, but I still think that they're good. Uh, I think Emma Roberts is really strong mm. as kind of a, a new Sydney type. Sure. Um, and uh, I don't know. You get that Culkin kid in there. He's pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was um, so funny because I keep forgetting how, I mean, Scream 4 was 2010, which yeah. kind of blew my mind. Yeah. And I was ago. like, I know that's a Culkin, but in my mind, yeah. Scream 4 is more recent. I believe it's the same is. Culkin that's in Signs. Am I right? It is. is it, it the is. same Rory. Culkin? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Rory. Rory. And I think, is he in, um, what's the show on HBO with Brian Cox? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Succession. Succession. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've not really watched it. A. Yeah, Culkin is in confusing. it. Okay. I think that's him. Regardless, regardless. Yeah. Um, know. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't know. And, 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 and to be fair, I may be being unfair. Um, I just, I, it's just other than, as we've mentioned, Panettiere, cause, cause I know what you're saying, Reed, but what I'm, what I'm sort of commenting on or critiquing even is less the characters and more just the, the, the performers and, and, you know, you, I'm mean, well, and Alison Brie is a decent example. Alison Brie is a performer. Like you watch mm-hmm. her kind of, uh, uh, however much you like the type she's playing. Yeah. She's, she's being kind of super over the top, it. but in a yeah. fun, in a fun yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but some of the younger cast, I don't know, for me, didn't quite, uh, connect. So when you well. think about it, this, this, this movie has a much bigger cast than any of the other movies. That's true. Yeah, you've got because you've got awesome. you've got the big three that you always have, and then you have this whole cast of new teenagers. Then you got like the cops, and you mm-hmm. got uh, you've got uh, Allison Bree's character, and I'm trying to think if I'm missing. Oh, and you've well, got there, like um, Jill's so mom. Many, I don't know. There's yeah, so I was just characters. about to. I was just about to mention Jill's mom. There are so many characters in it that when I saw this again, and I've seen this film like twice before, I had forgotten Mary McDonald was in it. Yeah, and then I was President like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, apparently, if you want to do a little trivial bit, apparently uh, she was in the original cut of the movie a lot more. Like Wes Craven turned in like a two and a half hour cut of the movie. Oh, wow. 
it had a lot more of of Jill's mom, and it had a lot more of uh, Trevor, Jill's boyfriend. Mm, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they cut a lot of that out. There's also some stuff about like, did you know that the uh, the original ending was not the ending um, that's in the movie? Like Wait, that I was a, a scream for that was a reshoot. That was a reshoot. I think um, I had heard something about this, but I can't remember the. It details. originally was going to end. Are, we're good for spoilers, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it was originally going to end with Jill getting in the ambulance. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. And it, and then the, it was just going to be like an ambiguous ending that set up Scream 5. And then wow. Scream 5 didn't wind up happening when it was supposed to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. F- funny enough, uh, to your point there, Jackson, and Reed, I never followed up with you on this. I was like, okay, well, he was he was just playing along with me. Um, in this film, listener, if you have not seen it, Emma Roberts' character uh, in the middle of this dramatic monologue uh, at the uh, climax of the film stabs uh, Nev Campbell twice in the stomach. And I texted Reed. I was like, see you, Sydney. <laughs> and, and Reed was like, yeah, that was really bold, wasn't it? <laughs> and I didn't think to reply in the moment. And then the movie kept going like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Ladies yeah, and gentlemen, like- plot, plot armor. I thought they were about to. What's funny is I do think it's a rather... Um, it's either a pretty bold choice or a pretty weak one, depending on your perspective, to let all three of the main characters still survive at the end of this. Because I, yeah. I, I know, I, right? That's crazy. I, I thought Gail was going to go, and then I thought, yeah. uh, you know, we. I, I did think that Dewey was probably pretty safe because they have psyched us out on his death since the very yeah, first they, screen. They've almost killed Dewey the whole exactly. Series. <laughs> so, so I, I felt pretty confident Dewey's safe, but I did think they were going to take Gail out, which would have been sad. And then when they had that whole sequence with uh, Sydney, I thought. Thought, okay wow they're 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 really taking sydney out that's a that's a pretty bold choice um but then i just like that whole sequence in the hospital so i was like okay all right it's fine and they're all three coming back for the new one which is ostensibly scream five but its actual poster title is just scream uh so uh oh, yeah but they're goodness. they're all three gonna be back so so we'll <laughs> see we'll see what that is i mean i lo- so i uh we, we're not going to have a conversation about Scream 2, but Scream 2 is probably my favorite in this franchise. However, the only reason I bring that up is because I agree with what Above you said. Above one? I'm sorry. Yeah. Huh. I prefer Scream huh. 2, Scream 2, Scream 1. In that same way, and this has happened with a couple of franchises, the, the two big ones that I'll mention, because it's most obvious, is I, pref- I uh, this is true of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 versus the original Nightmare on Elm Street. This is true of Conjuring 2 versus Conjuring 1. And this is true of Scream 2 versus Scream 1, wherein if I have my objective cap on, that the originals are stronger films. They're better constructed, they're tighter, and they, they set the stage better, so they're better films. But the sequels I just mentioned, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Conjuring 2, and Scream 2, they do more in some of their individual moments to en- enliven my attention and to excite my imagination than the originals do. So it's like if I'm thinking objectively, the originals are superior films, but I enjoy the experience of rewatching the the sequels I mentioned more. So that's true of me for Scream 2. Um, I just love so much. I will say this about Scream 2. 
Um, I, I do think it's got a tremendous amount of energy, but the most, to me, the most suspenseful see- scene that this franchise has given us at all is the scene when Sydney and her friend are in the back of the cop car that the scream that Ghostface was driving. Oh, yeah. They have that, to exit that is it good. by crawling over his knocked out body. That is, that is one mm. of the tightest suspense scenes that this it franchise has given us. And so I, I love that about it. But there's several other moments in it that I just really get excited about. That having been said, I agree with what you said, Jackson, that I think Scream 4, perhaps by design, gives us a lot of what this franchise just delivers well. It, it, um, it's kind of, this is not a backhanded compliment, but it's kind of like one of those things where you just watch it and you're like, yep, that's a Scream movie. Like, this is, this is, <laughs> yes. Exactly, yes. This is yeah. exactly what we signed that's up That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I was like, yeah. there it is. That's Scream. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, so to that end, it's one of those things where, like, if you love this franchise or if you're down for this, Scream Four is really easy to enjoy. If it's something where this franchise has to work to impress you, then Scream Four may not be your cup of tea, or it might be something that um, that you have to have to put in a little bit of effort to get on the wavelength for. But but I really enjoy it, and my soft spot for the Scream franchise is in my household, where my wife. I love watching movies with my wife, but she is not always very down for the horror stuff. There are a couple of niche franchises that I never have to even like you know, ask her to go. She's going to go see Scream with me in the theater when the new one comes out <laughs> in January. So like she loves this franchise. Um, awesome. So, you know, pretty much every Halloween, we'll usually queue up one of them to just rewatch just for fun. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, soft spot in my heart for this one. Well, patting your wife on the back, kind of like Candyman to my wife. I was like, you want to watch Scream? <laughs> She's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Um, uh, to, to sort of recenter us on this current film and to, to get us go. Cause I mean, come on, you guys, we are a show that talks about horror movie and uh, horror movies and and what's more horrific than things that just one might call ain't right. So, uh, Mm. uh, let's have Andrew Nelson, uh, our, our new, uh, uh, songsmith who offered us recently his, his tune to the brand new, that ain't right theme song, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Nelson and that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. Well, Jackson Reed, it is the time is the is the the part of the show where we and we we don't talk about a list of scares. We don't talk about, well, this scene sort of did that, this scene sort of that. This is where we categorize our that ain't right. Singular scenes that we would categorize as that ain't right. We each get one, all right? Okay. No, no cheating, no multiples, just one. And Jackson, I'm going to prattle on for just a second, but you're going first, okay? So why do I have to go first? Because you're the guest. You, <laughs> I don't know which ones y'all are going to pick. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We I have well, been, okay. We, we let you go first because you yes. pick your you pick your right. main one. We go top to bottom. Okay. So you pick okay. your number one, All and right. you get the privilege of of, of breaking us in. So and because right. your flaming hair is so awesome, I want you to go first. <laughs> um, Jackson of Scream Four, what would be your favorite moment that you would watch and say? Now that ain't right. Well, there was the moment I mentioned earlier. My favorite moment in the whole movie that I mentioned earlier is Hayden Panettiere on the phone with the killer. Mm. Right. Uh, toward right. the end. But that's not the okay. one I'm picking because that's really, I don't think that's what you're asking. I'm going to have to go with the death of Officer Perkins. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, the yes. Oh man, the stab by, through the. What's it? Oh, Anthony what's the guy's Anderson. name? Anthony, Anthony Anderson. Anderson. Yes. Yeah. If I didn't know he was in it, and I was like, I love me some blackish. Stabbed straight in the, in the forehead. That was terrible. Yes. It was so like, awful. And then he's stumbling around. And he's still like incoherently talking. And then his final yeah, line. Yeah. Which oh. I will not quote, but uh, awesome. it's pretty funny. <laughs> F, F Bruce Willis, he says, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah, that funny. one that one was jarring. But to the yeah. point to the point that part of me was trying to rationalize: could he really be doing what he's doing, having just been literally stabbed through the front think, of his head? But I don't care. Whatever. I don't know, but like, and then there's just so much blood coming down his face. Yeah. And it's, it's just, actually it's brutal. It is it, depending on where that sort of obtrusion comes it is medically accurate that something like that could happen and you could still sort of do look it up i've seen it i've seen it in multiple places I, I, because yeah, i just first, totally responded to my look of incredulity um, i know it's true no, look, it's like you, you hear stories about it. people getting stuff lodged in their head and like sure. living with it lodged in their head for yes. years yes you know again depending on what the i mean that's fair is. that's fair yeah. a thing lodged in one's head but we're talking like a i don't know six inch <laughs> carving knife like straight yeah. through the forehead i don't know i mean he, sure whatever hey, i'm no he, nathan, nathan i i will i will <laughs> remind you nathan it is a movie <laughs> <laughs> hey nathan, we like, don't abandon all rules of verisimilitude here no it's true we keep in mind that and this is a this is a heinous thing to be talking about in a very joking oh boy. moment oh boy keep in mind that back in back in the uh you know dark ages of medical <laughs> science they would lobotomize people by taking out that frontal lobe the front part sure. of your brain is not you know it, you can you can still function and move around sure when you have that yeah. front part of your brain gone so i'm just hey i'm, I'm not I'm just saying i'm not drawing a hard line in the sand here i'm just saying, <laughs> I'm say just saying. <laughs> if the tip of that knife is basically tickling the back of your skull there's a chance you might not be able to do what he does there <laughs> yeah. hey but it made my that ain't yeah, it made my that ain't right list. So I, I'm either way uh, that ain't right. Either way, that uh, ain't right. oh, absolutely. That <laughs> do ain't you right. want to? Do you want to go next? I'll do that. So yeah. this is more of a subtle one. Hmm. So I've got there's 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 one that's a little more brutal. There's a chance read you can might take it. So I'm gonna let you have it regardless because I toyed between the brutal one and the subtle one. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna change. I'm gonna pivot real quick. Oh, so. I'm I'm going oh, really? not even either of the two I just referenced. Um y'all, Trevor gets shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Junk. Yeah. Like, that, yeah, that ain't right. That ain't that right. Ain't right. No. In fact, I was making my that ain't right list as I was watching the movie and I was like, oh, no, that's a decent one. That's a decent one. You know, come to another one. Oh, Anthony Anderson just stabbed through the head. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> And I was ready. I was like, okay, I've narrowed it down. We're, we're cresting towards the end of the movie. I've got pretty much what I know is going to happen here. And oh my God, she just shot him in the junk. Okay. That ain't right. That definitely happened. <laughs> so yeah, oh my I mean, cause, cause bless his heart. He gets shot in the junk and then he gets shot in the head. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just that girl. That, ain't right. Yeah, no, she, she ain't right. She ain't right. No, I, I, I tip my hat to both of you for those. I think those are absolutely uh, should make the top of the list. I'm going to go with one that might be a bit unconventional. Okay. Um, it's not that ain't right in the sense of just like a jarring sort of like, Gah! but my, my, that ain't right 
is actually after she has stabbed Sydney and she's mm-hmm. fairly convinced that Sydney is out of play, but she has to set the stage. Mm. So yeah, that was like a almost on my list too. Yeah, and and so then she proceeds to just continue. So she, you know, she pulls up uh, her. Uh, gosh, now I've forgotten his name. Uh, the the guy she was originally in cahoots with. Uh, no, oh, no, Charlie. 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 That's the name. Culkin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, she takes Charlie and like scratches her own face and pulls out mm. her own hair. Then she like stabs her own shoulder with the thing, gets so mad she like kicks a table. But then she just proceeds to just continue to like dives backwards into yeah. a glass table. I'm sitting there. The more these things progress, I'm like, this ain't when she rammed, right. Yeah. She rammed her head. Did you say that? She rammed yeah, her head. Well, she rammed the, her head into the, uh, yeah. the picture frame, you know, yeah. like Ugh. just the more that and it just keeps building and building and building. And I was like, this, this ain't right. So when you and it was already on my list, it was going to be my and selection. Then she poses herself. Right, right by Sydney. So creepy. Eye to eye, face to face. So creepy. So yeah. it's not. It's not. That's one a of those, great scene. Yeah, it's not one of those moments that's just like like a gross out or anything like that. But just as you're watching it, you're just like, this woman ain't right. Like something mm-hmm. is off here, bad. And so yeah, that's that that topped my list of like that that ain't right moments. So there we are. There we've been. There we've yeah, been. That was, All right. Yeah. All right, Andrew, take us back out. Sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, that ain't right. <laughs> I, 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 I promise. That's you, actually. Just, uh, so when I was in like, when I was in high school, I, I went to Bible camp for many summers, sure, and sure. one of the, we used to have this thing that we hopefully said, no more somebody, than four. <laughs> I I worked at Bible camp for six summers. Okay. Yes. Okay. From when I was thirteen to when I was eighteen. Yes. Uh, anyway, but we used to have this thing that we said. Uh, whenever somebody would say something that accidentally sounded kind of off color or whatever, we'd sure. be like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're just bringing back all just, the memories for you. Yeah. Yeah. You made that pop into my head again. That's <laughs> not right. Speaking yeah, of popping funny. into someone's head at all. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> to the oh, um, so this would be probably the moment, you know, we've had a little bit of fun with the series. Um, so this would be the moment where we can pivot into uh, maybe something that these films have on their mind. Now, Jackson, you already sort of dipped your toe in the water, both when you reached out to us to, you know, to cover this and then, yeah. also with, you know, sort of your setup earlier. So um, I'd like to, you know, if you'd like, invite you again to sort of, you know, sort of crack open the door and, and creep in and hunt around for Ghostface in, in perhaps the deeper waters of what this film or even maybe the, the Scream franchise as a whole uh, has to offer in terms of uh, deeper thoughts and reflections. Okay. Let me, let me think about how to get into this. Sure. So I, I, what I was saying earlier is like, I think this whole franchise is about, I mean, it's about movie making, but I think in a larger sense, it's about storytelling and the stories that we tell each other and tell to ourselves about ourselves and about our lives. And I think the series has always been about that. But when you, when you crack open this film, it just all comes, it's just all right there. Because you have a character like Jill, who she is choosing to define her life by uh, being a survivor of a series of grisly murders. Mm. Because that's the story that she's grown up with, you mm. know? And everybody loves Sydney. You know, she talks about it. She's like, Sydney, Sydney, Sydney. 
Everybody loves Sydney. Everybody's always talking about Sydney. And she's like, where, when is it going to be my turn? And so she, she engineers it uh, by like finding some other psycho kid in her school and carrying out a murder spree. It's, it's wow, completely, man. it's wild. But uh, when you go to the series as a whole, like Ghostface, and I, this is something I told y'all, you know, off pod. It's like Ghostface is just this big story that people just keep picking up and telling over and over again. Because mm-hmm. it's not like Michael Myers, you know, Ghostface is always a different person or people. Right. Mm, it's you know, it's a mantle that people take up mm. for whatever reason. But it's usually, you know, um, well, in some cases it's revenge. But then you got the character like Jill, who that's. Well, I guess in the second one, uh, what's the character that um, Timothy Oliphant plays? So in the second one, Tilly Ol- Timothy Oliphant is a um, a he is a homicidal he's a maniac. Student. He's the film student, but he has yeah. been groomed by the mastermind, uh, which is played by Laurie Metcalf, and yeah. she, she was Billy's mother, and so she grooms him. Kind of, you know, they meet on the internet. Yeah. And she kind of grooms him to help her, you know, execute. But his motivations are similar to Jill's in that he's doing it for the notoriety. Yes. That's Whereas right. Mrs. Loomis is doing it for revenge. And that's right. Yeah. Same with Stu and Billy in the first movie. That's revenge. Roman yeah. in the third movie is revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have Jill and then whatever Timothy Oliphant's character's name. Um, they're doing it for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. They're doing it to get famous or whatever. It's it's Yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of that was my way into this conversation. But I, I honestly, I want to hear what y'all have to say about it. Sure. Well, uh, well if I can, uh, can uh, I throw uh, something yeah. at that real quick, Reed? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By all means. So it's funny, you know, what I appreciate about the conversations that happen on the Fear of God often is is even something. So I I like the Scream franchise. I don't love the Scream franchise. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a fondness for the first film because of the impact it had on me in high school. Um, and, and I, I sort of kind of enjoy it as, as popcorn film stuff goes, mm-hmm. but what I enjoy about what we do here on the show is okay. Suddenly what can come off as just kind of popcorn suddenly can have a, 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 a serious energy about it. And I'm going to try to organize these thoughts real quick. Cause they came to me and, and, and feel like, throwing in here but jackson you were trying to articulate motive across the films mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting with emma roberts character because at the end i don't i don't remember the three films enough to know how culturally relevant the motive ultimately was beyond the the universe of the movies themselves in other words mm-hmm. jill in four when she starts spouting her monologue at the end it was deeply troubling uh, mm-hmm. not just because she's a troubled character, but because you could, however extreme her actions, she is, she is just articulating kind of what exists on a certain level in the air in the world anyway, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And gosh, I'm going to try to say this and it may fall flat and that's okay. But when the, when the film's second ending in the hospital, is sort of happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this degree to which we know just as movie people, okay, well, she's not going to get out of this story. Um, but there, what, what I'm trying to get to is a flattening and or nullification of a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, 
because because she because her plan is a pretty sound plan and uh -huh. she on a certain level gets away with it except for the fact that you know sydney survives but my point is simply she was on the path to getting away with it to having her her more her absence of morality validated well then when she resumes her attempts on their lives at the end, there's this sense in which uh, Reed, I'm thinking right now of our conversation with Matt Ruff on session nine and okay. this degree to which we will exercise any action and can rationalize it in our own minds. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no, that's what I mean by a flattening of, of the morality. Like there, there's, there is no check or balance to gauge, to, to weigh one's actions against. Right. And to her, these, I wrote down some of her, her notes here. I don't need friends. I need fans. Sick is the new sane, really mm -hmm. powerful bit of scripting there. Mm -hmm. uh, school, college, work, these, these things mean nothing. You don't have to achieve anything. You just have to, uh, you just got to have effed up stuff to happen to you. Right. And there's just this weird, like that's scary to me. Yeah. Like her, her. The, the movie itself is ultimately like, okay, it's a fun, to your point, Reed. Yeah, that's Scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motives in previous films of the Scream franchise, even. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a serial killer motive. You know, that's a, that's a movie killer motive. In this, yeah. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's a manifesto we would kind of find in the real world, and that's dismaying. <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of thing that, like, you, you, stuff like it has happened i mean there was that that slender man stabbing right yeah. you know from a few yeah. years ago like kids do that kind of messed up stuff to yeah. each other for reasons that are honestly just completely insane yeah like, and there's and there's always been this this um debate when these west craven has you know fought against it he fought against it his entire career um, this debate about like, oh, well, you're you're planting it in people's heads. I mean, sc Scream as the inaugural installment was like, well, you're you're planting it in people's heads to go and do these things and um, reflecting uh, art, art, reflecting possibilities of fractured minds and fractured spirits. And I think what's what's really upsetting about the notion that. I think sometimes the language of woundedness only leaves there's going to be there's going to be a big statement so I'm 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 trying to enter it sensitively. Mm -hmm. I think there's a possibility that wounds cut so deep where wounds and wounding can be the only vocabulary that somebody is initially left with and 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 aside from profound strength of spirit heart or mind or aside from some other form of divin of, of intervention either human or divine you are going to sort of be left with just the vocabulary of wounding which is what it sounds like from the construct of this film jill was left with it's just this is the cycle of saturation that she has grown up in and this mm -hmm. is how she has formed her navigation of the world um and so that she's basically you know, uh, her, her conscience has been, you, you called it the flattening of the moral compass. I, I would, uh, I, I really like that language. Um, 
conscience just gets seared to where it's just like, no, this is that it, it's so haunting where you say like, no, I've just had jacked up things happening to me. And that's all that's really required uh, to just be sort of, you know, let off the hook. And what's really complex about a lot of that is I think sometimes it can be very easy. Brian Stevenson has, and of course we love Brian Stevenson on the show. Uh, Brian Stevenson has that quote that, you know, we're all more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I don't know if I'm quoting it exactly precisely right, but we're more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And I feel like that if you're focusing on the things done to you, um, then that becomes the story. And I love the I love the, the, the way you put it, Jackson, about Ghostface being a mantle mm-hmm. that you take mm-hmm. on. Um, I think that's a really powerful metaphor. This idea of, you know, this is not a continually resurrected singular entity. This is a persona mm-hmm. that gets adopted and gets molded to whatever motives you mm-hmm. see fit to to use this to do. And mm-hmm. um, I think what can happen is that some people might be left with only their wound to define them and to define the way the world works. And, and what I want, again, I feel I, I want to try to be very sensitive while still actually saying something instead of just rattling mm-hmm. around, or, or around the subject. I'll say it in the, in the really reductive way, not because I agree with this way to put it, but a lot of times people say like, well, you, you can't just be a victim forever. This is what Sydney's journey is in Scream 4. Sydney is, is, has written a book called Out of Darkness that is all about her. I mean, I w- let's talk about Sydney in a little bit because I want to talk sure. about her like, as a character sure, absolutely. in absolutely. more detail. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just as the hinge point for this part of the conversation is just that she's, that's her journey is she's like, I'm coming out of victimhood. I'm reinventing myself and I'm coming out of darkness. So I'm, so I'm, I'm leaving victimhood behind. And I do think that that's, you know, that, that's an honest sort of re- uh, wrestling and reflection that has to be considered of just like, okay, are you just carrying on I'll use this language, the mantle of victim as the end verdict for your story. And is that, is that as far as it goes? Um, and, and people who identify themselves in the language of woundedness. And so what I mean by that is that they will, you know, it's the old phrase, hurt people, hurt people. Um, and that when you get wounded yourself and, and recidivism with abuse and, and, and abuse particularly of a sexual variety is cyclical and, and sometimes can be generational. And sometimes that, that can leave scar tissue that will frame the psyches of certain people in ways that, as I mentioned before, without profound strength of character, uh, perhaps an inhuman abundance of strength of character or some version of intervention, this is going to continue to define the framework in which they navigate the world. Um, also to that end, uh, there's people who can, uh, the, the reverse course of that is that there are people who will indict the actions or behavior of people without any consideration of the wounded framework, which may have positioned them to do what they've done. Um, and I think for myself as, can you, with all sorry, the, can you rephrase that? Or, or yeah, yeah. So, so fun. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll say it using a tangible example. Um, if we know that somebody has been a victim of profound uh, abuse of some nature, 
and that's the way we, that's what we learn about them first, then there's going to be certain degrees of sensitivity to how we view their response to it. We may agree or disagree with how they choose to respond to it or what happens afterwards, but there's going to be probably a certain degree of sensitivity and sympathy. But if somebody does something heinous for which they are then you know, held to account, and that's the first thing we hear about them, if we then discover that they had heinous abuse or trauma that happened to them way back in the day, my experience or common encounter is that we don't care about that right now because the first thing that we were introduced to is that they, in other words, I'll use the Scream 4 characters. I don't care what kind of crazy jacked up stuff happened to Jill because that person ain't right. Like that's my immediate <laughs> response to her. You know, it's sure, like, sure. I'm seeing what she's doing. So I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not right. Whereas if there's a character that I see something heinous happen to them first, and then I see actions and progressions proceed from there, I'm going to automatically generate a certain degree of sympathy, a certain sure. degree of, uh, of possibly empathy, depending on the situation, um, that kind of helps me to understand what's driving their choices. All of that to say, I think it's terribly complex when we're trying to unravel this, this myriad of things that are done to us and things that we do in response to what is done to us. Um, and I think that's a, we often, I shouldn't say we, social media and internet unhinged can sometimes be terribly reductive about those conversations and terribly dismissive about those conversations when I feel like those should probably be handled with a lot more nuance, a lot more sensitivity, a lot more education. And I'm not saying that absolution and abdication just, you know, rains down uh, like a hurricane. But I am saying that oftentimes we make very simple, reductive sort of verdicts about things that are generational and, and supremely complex. Sure. Um, in other words, it takes a lot. I'll, I'll wrap up with this and then I'll pivot to, to whoever else wants to take it up next. It takes a lot for you to get to the place where you put on the mantle of Ghostface. I'll say it that way as a little bumper sticker. It takes a lot to get you there. Um, and it's like, I think this is the line in the first scream that is said by Billy, where he's like, movies don't make, um, uh, mood movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And mm -hmm. that's his sort of, you know, thesis is that it's like, no, 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 don't, don't blame this on the movies. It took a lot to get me here. It took a lot to make me put on this mask. Um, and I think we forget that in terms of, you know, things we would observe of people who've hurt us or uh, things we've observed of people hurting each other uh, that probably deserves a bit more attention than we're willing to give it at first. Hopefully that made sense, but that's my response to kind of what you're, what you're laying out. If it doesn't make sense, I'm open to challenge, <laughs> but <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Nathan, what do you think? This sounds like I'm being combative. I don't think it takes much to put on the mask. I don't, you know, mm. I, I think, and in fact, it's funny, Jackson, I, I like Reed. I loved your, your, your notion of, and, and in fact, this concept elevates a little bit of the creep factor of the whole franchise that, you know, it's not, this unstoppable force it's normal humans who choose to act with impunity because they're under the mask um mm -hmm. in other words it's not michael myers who is this this entity this shape kind of idea it's not freddy krueger who's this whole other this literal whole other type of being like these are just yeah. people who realize i can get away with this thing because of anonymity 
mm-hmm. and exercise yeah. what was already there. And, and, and that's all I mean, Reed, when I say, I think it's easy. I understand what you're saying. There's a lot of, there's a lot of plaque already on a spirit that, that right. decides to do that. And I, I know what right. you mean there. Cause honestly, when the notion of ghost face as mantle, as anonymizing agent entered mm-hmm. the conversation, what I thought of was the KKK. I was like, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's exercising violent tendencies with impunity in an, and then an effort to return yeah, somebody to some in sort a of civilized and society. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. real people doing terrible things <laughs> anonymously in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jackson, I feel like you, you, you've got Sydney on the brain, so I want you to, yes, we need to talk about, okay. I'm going to say this. This is, I'm going to drop a bomb on this podcast. Oh boy. Oh you're going to stab a knife through the forehead. He's going to throw a, a grenade in the backpack. Yeah. Oh I think, I think that Sydney Prescott is the greatest slasher heroine of all time. All Sorry, right. Laurie Strode. Sydney Prescott. <laughs> Whoa. Never <laughs> <Remember> fighting words. <laughs> and Here I we think go. that I, now the reason I believe this is that, okay. I love Laurie Strode. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, of course. Um, in fact, there's a lot no, of no, no. tissue. Jackson, don't back up no. now. <laughs> Commit. I brother. think there's a lot of connective tissue between this movie and Halloween 2018. Mm, okay. Uh, I think there's a lot of parallels there, which we could talk about all night. We don't have time. Um, but the reason I think that Sidney Prescott is the superior character is because unlike Laurie Strode, Sidney has had a, a like linear character development arc. Mm throughout mm. the franchise like laurie strode like she disappeared from the franchise for a while then they brought her back then they killed her off right. they brought her back again yeah. and she's not a consistent character really over which one the did they year. kill her in i can't remember they killed that, her in resurrection resurrection no oh, i didn't see that resurrection. yeah okay. she dies at the beginning no. of resurrection and it's <laughs> okay. ridiculous that movie's terrible it's um, the worst yeah yeah but anyway I think Sydney Prescott is better because she has a consistent character arc that begins in the first, the first movie. She's just, she's a high school kid. That's it. Yeah. You know, she's had a terrible thing happen a year previous because her mother was murdered. But other than that, she's a high school kid. Second movie, she is in college and she's trying to move on from this trauma that she's experienced, mm. but it comes back, you know, it, it won't let her get over it. You know, her right. trauma just, persists because somebody else takes up the, the ghost face mantle third movie the beginning of the movie she's secluded she's living off in the woods yeah like very paranoid uh but she's also she's working at uh, as like a crisis hotline operator that's right like mm-hmm. she's trying to she's still trying to help people because she does have this sort of goodness and decency to her that she can't let go of even though she's choosing, chosen to seclude herself, she's still trying to help people. And then, of course, in four, she's she's come out of the darkness. She's like, she's like, I'm fine. I'm done. I'm done being traumatized. I mean, not traumatized. She's always going to be traumatized. She's like, I'm done letting that define. Right. You know, and I'm I mean, gonna, she, she's she's got some pretty, pretty swift uh, uh, moves too, in, in fighting off old ghost face. Oh, uh, well, like, she's Dang, been doing girl. it for she's been doing it for almost yeah. 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, so, so I, I've got I a minimal at that point, hor- it's been fif- 15 years between Scream One and Scream yeah, Four, 96 like that. and yeah. 2010. Yeah. yeah, I've got yeah. a minimal horse in that race, but I. <laughs> 
I want to hear fight and read lackey come out on, you know, Laurie Strode v. Sydney Prescott. What, what, what are your, uh, what, what are your thoughts, Mr. Lackey? No. Okay. So this is going to be the lamest fight that you've ever heard. Okay. So no, seriously. I haven't heard many fights. So <laughs> no, because, much. because Jackson's 100% right about Laurie Strode's sort of like, if you're looking at it as a franchise, sure. yeah. she was, I mean, it was all over the map. Like they, they killed her off twice in the twice? franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's killed what off. Was the other one? In uh, Halloween Four, it's it's shown that oh, she that she that died, and then in Halloween H two O, it is revealed when she's suddenly back that she faked that death, mm. and <laughs> and so then in Halloween Resurrection they kill her off like on screen, and then she's back in 2018 because we just reboot this franchise four right. times. So yeah, no, <laughs> if, so so Jackson's 100 percent correct is that if you look at Lori the the strength of Lori Strode as a heroine has to reside exclusively in uh the in the first installment maybe halloween 2 the original halloween 2 uh and then h2o and the 2018 one like those are you have to take them compartmentalized but then to jackson's mm-hmm. point there's not a consistent arc of that right. there's an arc in 2018 that i think is incredibly interesting but that just looks halloween at, 2018 yeah, yeah right that and i am looking forward to to kill mm-hmm. the oh my god like, kills can't I get think, here fast enough oh my I, god right, right. I, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am extremely, extremely excited. But no, so yeah, no, no fighting words for me. I mean, I do think, I think one of the things that's interesting about um, Sydney's character in this is there's a confidence to her that mm-hmm. she doesn't have in the other three installments. Like that's one of the things, even in watching it this time around, that I picked up on again is I was like, wow, yeah, in the other ones, she has this little undercurrent of freak out where she's just like, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening again. But when this happens, there is such the moment that I'm thinking of specifically in the film is when she comes up and sees, and God, I've forgotten the, the name of the girl who gets killed when Ghostface comes out of the closet. Um, and then they just oh they just, Olivia oh Olivia oh, okay that, yeah. that scene that was almost my that ain't right. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, same it's here. Pretty, that that is, was the brutal yeah, one I was referring to. Real brutal. Yeah, that's a pretty brutal scene, but Check out Sydney's reaction when she comes in and sees the room just, you know, splattered with blood everywhere. Her reaction is not one of an undercurrent of panic. It is pure mm-hmm. exhaustion. It's pure weariness. Yeah. She's just like cotton weariness. <laughs> I Look what I just one. did. I yeah. handed you that one. I yeah, was just you like, did. here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Um, but she's just spent on this on this entire yeah. thing it is and and i i do find that interesting because then whenever she does she fights back she of course she fights back but then whenever she does get stabbed or whenever they're talking like then pay attention to nev campbell's uh acting reactions and it would be really easy to say like well that's just nev campbell being tired of the franchise and being passive no as a character she's actively sort of like i have heard this so many mm-hmm. times she is just over it at that point when jill's given her big like this is why i'm doing this and aren't i brilliant sydney just could not care less she is utterly impressed with all of it and i think i think that is there's a certain freedom and confidence that she has found in being able to move past probably through a significant amount of off-screen therapy but to be able to move past (laughs) a lot you a lot but to move past this notion of being defined by you know the suffering and the things that that she had witnessed and had happened to her um so that when when it does begin to rise again again that you know there's almost an inevitability to it and so while i'm not quite sold 
on <laughs> greatest horror heroine ever. I am not gonna. I am not gonna throw down in this moment at this because I think you make a compelling case. I think that. I mean, yeah, it, it makes you wonder if like is is Woodsboro like what what's going on? What's their what's their law enforcement budget like? I mean, why <laughs> is the federal government letting this town persist across? 15 years every so many years this murder spree like why what what are the home what's the real estate pricing like there um you know why would anyone ever consider moving there what's in the water like come on there's some there are some extra textual questions that demand answers i mean statistically it's still safer than haddonfield that is true. Yes, Haddonfield has a higher or body is count. Because according to y'all, Haddonfield's like in pocket dimensions here. And like everyone's dead there. And That's true. true. You know, that is true. That is, is quite Laurie, true. There's is, like the whole Rob siblings? Zombie dimension. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Which who wants oh, to live there? Let me just yeah. side. Let me just sidetrack. Did y'all hear the news from uh, just earlier uh, yesterday? About zombies zombie. wrecking the monsters. The monsters. <laughs> I'm like, that what is on the, earth is this? I am a very big monsters fan, and so Rob Zombie, like, I don't need my Herman Munster like debout, disemboweling the neighbors and dropping f bombs. Yeah, I am really, uh, really curious about it. I can't help curious. it. I don't know. Well, I don't really want to know what. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just, I had to bring it up though because I just sure. it's been on my brain. No, of course. Anyway, but I think um, that. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead if you have more to say. Oh, I, I was just gonna cycle us back into talking about um, about Woodsboro as a as a town. Yeah, sure. Uh, honestly, Woodsboro is not is only the setting for the first one and the fourth one. Oh, that's oh, yeah, that's right. Three is yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, right. Three is Hollywood, and two they're off at college. So that's yeah, right. But is it a college? And um, is it Woodsboro Community College? Like, wow. no, I don't Woodsboro. Think <laughs> I do not believe that they are supposed to be in. <laughs> They're at a prestigious uh, university, okay? It has yeah. uh-huh. rat clubs, you mm-hmm. know, like on the outskirts of Woodsboro, right? That's my point. You can't <laughs> wow. tell me where it's located. I'm gonna assume it's Woodsboro. <laughs> and it turns out it's Woodsboro is actually like Derry, Maine. You know, it's like there is oh, okay. there's something lurking under the surface there that sure needs some excavating. But I think too that like um that I mean that's something uh, we we've referenced just just recently Lori Strode and we're I'm about to introduce this notion uh, to a sequel of a film that uh, I will not get to see for like several months. But one of the things that I have heard that I find very interesting and energizes me even more about the upcoming Halloween kills is I did hear one sort of little teaser interview that basically said Halloween 2018 uh, Halloween as I've heard it called by some podcasters uh, that. <laughs> That basically, like that, is talking about um, this notion of well, what happens when trauma cycles back around, like like invested trauma, infected mm-hmm. trauma that that reinforces itself forty years later, and then Halloween Kills is going to address at least in part now what happens when that that uh, trauma spreads out to the community. And so, like, that's why they've made a big deal in the trailers. That's a really interesting notion. Right? And, like, in the trailers, Ah. Anthony Michael Hall plays um, the the little kid who was bullying. uh, uh, Gosh, it's not Tommy Jarvis because he's from the Friday the 13th series. I forget. uh, Tommy Doyle. So, um, the guy who was, like, bullying Tommy Doyle, but then they have this 
this whole t- this the Halloween movie it happened to this whole town and I'll bring it back to scream in just a second and then maybe this will be our path to sort of like wind everything down is um, that in the town of Haddonfield in the town of Woodsboro like we concentrate on the few characters that we've latched onto the Sydney Prescotts the Laurie Strodes for the Halloween franchise um, you know the Deweys the Gales like we we latch onto them because they're our eyes through which to experience this story but it did happen to this whole town it happened to mm-hmm. all of Woodsboro and I feel like that's one thing that um, does not necessarily get considered enough in the notion of so so not to get super heavy about this but uh you know we are we are a nation which unfortunately has had far more than our fair share of active shooters in different contexts Mm -hmm. and in different places um the closest that that conversation ever came to my own household was uh there was one at the high school that is just literally about a mile away from where I live. And I can remember when that happened, finally it being this thing where now there's this residual experience of it. It would be far too um, pretentious for me to say that it, it, it affected me at all, except by proximity. But the proximity thing is a, is a real thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it happened very close to you and i feel like again in this in in this conversation about whether or not we uh you know define ourselves by our woundedness that has that has happened to us uh the ways in which we have perhaps wounded others um which is something that we didn't talk about but something that i think about quite often is i worry sometimes about the ways in which i might have caused wounds in other people that i didn't even know about or didn't even uh, recognize or realize. Um, I think I've shared on pod before that in my job, there was a moment where there was a a coworker of mine who was going to be leaving the business after a couple of months uh, because the business was doing some downturn and they were going to be leaving after a couple of months. And I was having in that particular season, I was having a really hard time getting to my emails just for everybody. But I was I there were like three or four unanswered emails where this coworker of mine had emailed me and I had simply not responded to them because I had not made it to their emails yet which is bad and and I should be better at it but it was translating to them consistently that I actively did not care to read their email because they were a short timer and so mm-hmm. they were taking away the verdict that, oh, well, he's just ignoring me because I'm not going to be around for much longer, which couldn't have been further from the truth. But I was, uh, I I think we don't always sort of, um, we're not always conscientious of the fact that we sometimes wound actively and sometimes wound inactively. And regardless of that, there should be uh, a, a broader and perhaps more complex conversation than we tend to have, except maybe on shows like this, about the ways in which we are wounded, perhaps actively, perhaps inactively, and the ways in which we wound actively or inactively, and whether or not we're going to let the language of woundedness be what drives the conversation. Um, because I do think it's, it's potentially very easy. Um, again, I, I, I will yes and what Nathan said as my final statement on this. I think while it takes a lot of, I love the phrasing of plaque on the spirit, to get you to put the the ghost face mask on, I think that tip 
is probably much easier than we would like to admit for ourselves Mm -hmm. that uh, if enough plaque builds up on our heart and our minds and our spirit and who we are, um, it might be easier than we think. And we oftentimes sit in judgment of people who might wear the mask or people who might adopt the mantle of, of the ghost face persona, apply it wherever you see fit in the world around you. And we might look on them in judgment when, if we were reflective and self-aware enough, there might be enough plaque built on our spirit where us, putting on the mask ourselves might be a far easier pivot than we would like to pretend it was. And I think I find that profoundly interesting, a bit haunting and, um, and certainly worth, um, worth reflection. Um, so this is the, this is the moment that, uh, I'm just going to say like, before we pivot into fog meter, is there anything from either of you that like, Hey, no, 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 I don't want to leave the conversation before I've just said this. If not, then we'll move into fog meter. But if so, go over my notes real quick. (laughs) All right. Uh, while while jackson glances um this is a bit of a star-studded cast circa 2010 i did not see the uh stab six stab seven bit coming that was fun oh Oh, yeah we didn't talk about the opening at all (laughs) yeah we gotta talk about the opening opening. just a little bit it's amazing when it when when i first saw it in the theater and it it started happening i was like what on earth what is happening right now i was was i was having such a blast and like you get like, you've got like the two girls, the very first girls, and then it's like super famous people. Yeah, because <laughs> you got Bell like and Kristen Anna Bell and Anna Paquin, and then oh, yeah. it goes back to not as famous people. It's really structured in an interesting Julie way. Julie Taylor like that. was Julie yeah. the first. Uh, yeah, I mean, first Keegan, Yeah, yeah. No, no or she the third. Julie's in the final. It's her and Britt Robertson, uh, right. the girl from. Um, and that's the real. What was it Tomorrowland? World. Crazy. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. the real one. Yeah, yeah, okay. and those are the those are the real eventual victims. I do think um, one of the things that I think is really fun about this franchise in particular, and it's not the only franchise to do this, but you know, the first people you're introduced to in a scream movie, they're the ones who are going to die. Yeah, and I just I loved. I remember sitting in the theater. I remember sitting in the theater uh, with some buddies from Gardner Webb, our alma mater, uh, Nathan. And I remember sitting in the theater for Scream Three. And I remember, like, on the way walking in to get into the theater, we were speculating, like, okay, who's going to be, who's going to appear on screen first? Who's it going to be? So when the very first character to appear on screen was none other than Cotton Weary, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be Cotton. Cotton's going to be the one to bite it. So it was just crazy. But I do think that that's very fun and playful about this franchise that they've conditioned you to be like, nope, first one's dropping. The very first people that you meet. You're like, that's Scream. So um so yeah let's uh, let's do it let's go to the let's go to ye old fog meter our very specific metric of fear and god where we rate these films on their scares and their substance um and so uh Jackson I'm going to be coming to you first scream okay. the final film of the legendary horror director Wes Craven before he stopped yeah. here in 2015 um and so what would you give his uh you know his sort of swan song outing scream for what would you give it on the fear measurement out of 10 um okay i gotta say i don't find this movie scary i don't find any of the scream movies scary Mm -hmm. i find them really thrilling and fun uh but i'm gonna give it I don't really find anything, any movies scary, scary, you know? Sure. So I'm, I go by like stylishness and, and entertainment values. I've got to give it an eight though. Mm, Okay. I I find it such a fun movie. Awesome. Awesome. Nathan, what would you give it for fear? Um, I think, I think 
some of the the brutal nature of some of the deaths um coupled with yeah. uh, uh, uh jill's monologue and subsequent read as you outlined for us self-mutilation really raises the bar um i will go seven on all right scares Fair enough. I'm actually just going to follow the little trend and go one down. I'll give it a six. I feel like it's one of those things where the, I, I, I again agree with Jackson. I feel like it's not really the kind of thing that's kind of nightmarish as it were, but it's, it's, it's thrilling and fun. And as a testament, as I mentioned earlier, you know, my wife actively enjoys and loves these movies. So it's not something that, you know, she finds off putting, which she tends to do with more horrific uh, material. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to give this a six for the fear measurement. Now for the God measurement, while I don't consider this, as I've already said, well, I don't consider this to be the strongest film in the franchise. One of the things I love about the screen movies writ large is how much they tend to have on their mind. And I do think that they have some very interesting things on their mind, possibly this being one of the, the most sort of self-reflective of uh, exactly what we are becoming as a culture. And I think it is possible. I think a case could be made rather easily that this is one of the most thoughtful entries in the franchise in terms of how it is trying to uh, sort of unpack this particular kind of um, uh, traumatic systemic situation. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's overall a very thoughtful film, but I think its its subjects and its ideas are pretty strong. So to that end, I'm going to give it a seven for the God meter. Uh, going in reverse order, Nathan, what would you give it for God? Uh, I'm going to follow your lead from the first go around and give it a six. I right. I applaud what you see there. There's a world where, to me, it feels like, okay, well, how can we make just something resonant for 2010 and sure, right. follow the at the same time follow the scream formula so so i don't gotcha. know if it's as reflective as it is just doing what it does but um but I'll, I'll i'll give it some some credit for it and give it a six okay and jackson bring us home what would you give it for the god meter all right um i think when you when you really sit down and unpack specifically the character of jill and her motivations and how unsettling that is and yet how prescient it is um i'm gonna have to give it an eight again all right all uh, right i'm gonna have to give it an eight i think there's a lot going on underneath the surface in this movie awesome awesome no very good so that means that we collectively give scream Four, west craven swan song a seven out of ten on the fog meter certainly a very nice. uh solid showing as it were um and so i think probably a pretty maybe a much easier question to answer for all of us is uh, start with you, Jackson. Would you recommend scream four to people? Absolutely. Yeah. Without Nathan, question. How, Nathan, how about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't emotionally connect to the scream franchises as much as perhaps y'all do, but they are fun. Uh, th- there's, there's a way in which it's the consummate horror franchise of the modern era. And so mm-hmm. from that standpoint, it's kind of dumb to like not, enjoy them on some level and so yeah sure. i think they're easy recommends yeah i i totally agree i mean this is the it, it's something that i think is really easy to revisit and i think it, it's something that's pretty accessible um so yeah I, I i highly enjoy them and then we all recommend them so that's uh that's pretty great that's awesome so that uh that concludes this conversation about scream four jackson thank you so much for submitting well, thanks this. for having me 
Yeah. Thanks for coming on and, and having this chat with us, man. This has been a whole lot of fun. Hope you've had a good time. We're going to do this again. Yeah. This will be this yeah, was, uh, really, really fun. Back. This will be great. So um, with a bit of a tear, next week is our last installment of the first half of the year for hashtag what scares us. And uh, we've been putting this off for a little while and you can put it off no further, Mr. Rouse, because I... I I broke us into this with Pumpkinhead. You did. And I've been dying to hear. Down. Yeah, I've been dying to hear. So what have you chosen? You 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 held it from me, so I don't know what you're about to say. So, so what have you chosen man, for what scares us entry next week? I'm, I'm gonna So here's the good news, listeners and guests <laughs> and co-host. After my what scares us, we're gonna have a really fun time. Uh, but <laughs> for my what's so I really agonized over this. I, I even asked my wife last night. I'm like, here's here are the two options I'm toggling between. One definitely appeals more to a pop sensibility that that is more fringy and fun. Uh, one does not whatsoever and steers us right into uh, heavy hard things. But uh, uh, there's a, 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 a awesome song by the killers called bling. And there's a lyric that says, how do you know that you're right? If you're not nervous anymore. And I'm actually nervous about throwing this movie out. Okay. And honestly, what sealed the deal for me is, uh, covering scream four. I was like, what, what am I going to, why am I going to choose this movie? Uh, so Gail Weathers is played by Courtney Cox, who was originally in the TV show friends, which I've, never seen an episode of uh but uh, also in that tv show is the gentleman david schwimmer and david schwimmer a number of years ago directed a movie called trust mm. uh that features clive owen and katherine keener and jason clark plays a role in it it is not by any means traditional horror it is very much a very heavy drama but if i'm being perfectly honest in the question what scares me uh this movie accomplishes that very much so and it's much more of an adult parent what scares me i will maybe go read the blurb go watch a trailer just enter it uh uh, sensitively uh especially if you are a parent uh Mm. but (laughs) so fair warning who knows how we'll make it through next week uh, (laughs) or how I will. Uh, It will definitely be a bit heavier sort of conversation, but in the spirit of self-honesty, it felt like the direction to go. So next week, Reed, (laughs) (laughs) this is actually a film I've never seen. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm curious. Where can you watch it? Uh, it's, it's, uh, I didn't look at every outlet, but I, I did find it on iTunes. You can rent it there. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. it might gotcha. be in some other avenues, but it's not difficult to find. Um, okay. okay. And it's called and trust, I, but we're looking for the one directed by David Schwimmer. You said, right. Uh, the starring the Clive movie. Owen and Catherine Keener, okay. um, read the blurb and you'll be like, okay, yeah, that's it <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. real quick. Uh, right. so yeah. Next okay week. awesome Trust. all right well um, and then fun next stuff week. after it <laughs> and it's gonna it, it, we do have some very fun things planned so um so yes uh listeners as we say on every episode the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing jackson thank you so much again thank Nathan, you jackson thank you as thank always you. and uh listeners thank you as well we'll see you next week awesome see you guys bye The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. 
and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.